Welcome to Spirit of the Midwest, a show featuring interviews and stories that expose the deep values and pride found in the heart of America. My name is Wesley Noble, and I'm here today with my co-host, C.K. Hicks. And we're here with Chris Coyer, who does a great many things online. You might know him from CSS Tricks, or CodePen, or the Shop Talk Show, or writing, or speaking, or a great many things. Uh, Chris, you, you're kind of all over the place. Thanks so much for taking time with us today. Yeah, thanks for having me on. It is a pleasure. Yeah, and so one of the things that, that fascinates me just right off the bat is usually we try and ask people kind of where their roots come from, and uh, you're very open about your Midwest roots, and, and I think most of us know kind of you know what you've done, some of the things you've achieved in your different websites and ventures, but I'm really curious to know where you came from and what brought you kind of to this point. Yeah, uh, sure. Uh, I'm sure that I wouldn't be on this show if I wasn't Midwestern <laughs> some way like you fellas. So yeah, I'm uh, Wisconsin. We've, we're very much we're very much Midwestern, really. I guess it'd be kind of interesting. I wonder if like you guys are going to kind of define what the what the Midwest is on on the show a little bit because I think there's a little a little contention about about mm. where it starts and ends and how far south it goes and stuff like that. Yeah. You know, like you guys are right on the. You're pretty south for it. Is like, is Arkansas still? You know, because Louisiana for sure. That's not the Midwest. That's just the South. You know. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, we we've talked a little bit about borders, and if you look at the maps on Wikipedia and other places, it's kind of up for interpretation. So, <laughs> I think we're yeah. looking just for kind of wherever the, you know, wherever you are currently, where are you from, uh, what's the spirit of that region. So that's kind of what we're after. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure. I just, I just, I think it's kind of an interesting subject. Like, yep. where is this place? Uh, uh. I grew up in uh, basically Madison, Wisconsin, a small town outside of Madison, Wisconsin, uh, suburb Verona. Um, yeah, I mean, it, we just it's the, it's the heart of the Midwest, you might say. You know? mm. <laughs> yeah. uh, anyway, it was just the Madison's the capital town of Wisconsin. It's the second biggest city there to to Milwaukee, and I don't know. That's just that's just where I grew up. It was it was you know we're firmly middle class and you know went to school with with you know i don't know maybe a third farm kids that that kind of thing mm-hmm. and, uh it was a lovely place to grow up really i kind of had you know un, unlike most people i feel like you know in this entire country who kind of look back on their high school years as awful or traumatic or couldn't wait for it to get over or whatever i kind of had the opposite high school experience i i, I liked it there i remember being quite sad when it was over because i was hmm. like i don't know I'm, I'm headed off to college and i'm not not looking forward to that i think that will be fine but i don't know will it be as interesting will i have as many friends will i I'll have to reestablish my coolness in a uh, way you know? yeah. is that going to transfer to college you know it seems highly likely that it won't <laughs> Uh, but but yeah yeah well, that's that's interesting. so so you had a very favorable and memorable high school whereas a lot of people it seems like they look back and and you're like you said they, they they're kind of oh I'm so glad that's over with or I didn't know what I was doing and and I get that because it can be you know you have a you have a stupid locker you know like right. like what if what if the person in your locker next to you you hate for like some very legit reason like they <laughs> make fun of you or or something or they stink or you know that's it your whole year you have to deal with that mm-hmm. there is no escape as an adult if there's somebody i don't like cutting them out of my life is the easiest thing ever i just <laughs> don't call them anymore or whatever you know yep. maybe my if my neighbor is a bummer but still there's some like walls in between us and stuff it's not a it's mm-hmm. not a big deal but i can I, you know I, that's 
traumatic for a kid. Anyway, yeah. I, I just never had that. I just, I was kind of a computer nerd, but then I played sports too. So I kind of transcended that, that boundary. And I don't know, I just, I had like really kind of like cool parents that kind of let me do whatever I want. So I kind of, you know, my house became like kind of a place where kids would hang out and stuff. And it just, nice. I kind of brought people together in a, in a sense. And just kind of, uh, you know, wasn't a part of one click. I was part of lots of them, and it just felt good being there. And you know, we had. We, speaking of the Midwest, we did. You know, we had cornfield parties, and there was cow tipping going on. It was a. It was a pretty <laughs> authentic Midwest experience. Oh, that's excellent. That's so good. You know, I was creeping your website uh, before this uh, episode, kind of doing some research, um, and I looked at your timeline, which is really cool. It's a really cool idea to have kind of a timeline on your life, um, on your website. Um, it's for my own, I can't remember that stuff. You know, me too. That makes so much sense. Um, but it looks like you grew up in Wisconsin and then you moved Portland, Chicago, Tampa, Florida, then back to Wisconsin. So what, what brought you back? What drew you back? Uh, yeah, it's not, it's not as interesting a story as it, as it might seem like, but yes, it was, my my le- my great leaving of the Midwest happened kind of well after I was even graduated from college. It was kind of a, mm, I better get out of here, otherwise I'm going to be my whole life here, which mm. doesn't feel bad. It just doesn't feel like what I want for myself, kind of. And I was in a you know transitional stage, but I was working on the web. I was working on a little design agency kind of thing already, and I was like, um, you know, I know that I don't have to be sitting at this desk to do this. You know it. I know it. It's all email and stuff. Right. I can do this from anywhere. Okay, I won't be at one little client kickoff meeting. Big deal. I'm pretty <laughs> sure y'all can handle it. You know. So I was kind of like, you don't have any choice here. I'm going to leave and you can fire me or not, you know? And nice. I wasn't trying to be a jerk about it. I was just saying, I-, I get a job somewhere else. But I like you guys and I'll keep working here if you want. They had never kind of considered it, but they let me do it because, you know, why not? So I moved to Portland, Oregon just because I had a buddy out there and he's like, oh, you want to come live out here? Cool. <laughs> you know, I was like, this is my chance. This is my big opportunity to do something cool. Uh, so I just, I moved out to Portland and I was there for a year and a half or so. And it was great. Love that town. Worked remote, worked on the web. You know, mm. that's kind of when I was starting CSS Tricks and it was lots of fun. And then it just, you know, f- f- not for hating Portland. I just had another opportunity come up in Chicago where my buddy's like, oh, my roommate's moving out. You want to live here for a while? And I was like, that sounds nice. You know, I was a little homesick or whatever. So back to the Midwest for Chicago for another, I don't know, a couple of years or something. And then. I uh, was uh, didn't love Chicago. Nothing against Chicago. Just didn't for various life circumstances didn't fit particularly well. Got mm. the job at Wufu, which was my big like. Oh, I'm gonna go work for a startup. You right. know how cool is that? And and I was a super fanboy of Wufu and uh, moved down to Florida. And that whole team was awesome. And some of my lifelong friends to this day were Wufu people. But kind of it, I wasn't in Florida too long. You know, year and a half or two years before Wufu sold to SurveyMonkey, and that was in Palo Alto, California. So they're like, okay, here we go. We all moved out there, which was a good time. Hmm. Uh, But I kind of knew by that time, enough years had gone by, that it's probably about time for me to go off on my own. So I did that, and then I was living in Palo Alto, paying Palo Alto bucks to live there. And and, I don't know, people's kind of tenure was ending at SurveyMonkey. Not that anybody disliked that job, but it was kind of like, 
we're all going to kind of move on. And right. uh, so people were, were leaving there. And I was like, there's no reason for us to, to stick around out here. And <laughs> my, my buddy Tim moved to Bend, Oregon. And I was like, you know what? If people are leaving, I'm going to leave too. And I had some cities on my radar. You know, I really like New Orleans. I was kind of thinking about moving there. Uh, I was pretty close to moving to Austin because mm. that was a kind of cool town. I have friends there. But then I was like, I don't know. I have a lot of friends back from the Wisconsin days. You know, I lived most of my life there. A lot of my friends are still there. I'm not going to move back to Madison. That feels a little too close to home. Maybe not nothing against home, but like this, that would, that would, would, that feels like an end game scenario. So I moved to Milwaukee, which is uh, uh, a bigger town than Madison by far. And it still felt very new. And every time I came to Milwaukee, had a good time. So I just, I just was like, you know what, this is nice. It'll be nice to be close to family and my money will go a little further and stuff like that. And so it wasn't, you know, it's not an uninteresting story, but I just kind of just picked it and was like, I don't know. I'm sure it will be fine here. (laughs) Right. Yeah. And you like it? Yeah. Yep. Yep. I mean, I'm looking out my window right now, Lake Michigan. Yeah. Oh, nice. That is my favorite place in the world. (laughs) The North shore. Oh my goodness. Wow. Yeah. It's, it's, it's really interesting. Uh, when you grow up in the center of the country, I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska and lived there for 24 years and I moved to Springfield about five years ago because I had some friends here who were starting some projects and they're like, Hey, you should come down here. And I was like, well, it's only six hours from home. And so I've lived in Omaha, Kansas city and Springfield. Those are the three places that I've spent significant amount of time. But it's funny how, you know, as you visit other places or you go elsewhere and then you're, you see the pace of life and it's kind of fun and exciting. You see other things and you go, but, you know, I, I have this feeling like I've talked to people who, who have grew like grew up, grown up in Texas and then moved to New York or different places and they always go, yeah, but I, I just kind of miss the, the pace and the simplicity and uh, just the, the vibe of, you know, the life that is kind of flowing through everybody in these Midwest, you know, the center of the country. And it's, uh, there's nothing wrong with the coast at all. We say this every episode, you know, there's have nothing against any other part of the country, but there is something unique and interesting. There's a hardiness and a, yeah, it's hard to put your finger on it. I I get that. Uh, I don't know. There's just little stuff. Like when you walk into a bar, you just, you just, it feels comfortable. You just know, you just know kind of what the situation is going to be like in there. You just kind of know what the standard responses to questions are, you know, the, (laughs) I don't know. It just feels a little, feels a little different where you just don't feel quite as at home kind of kind of anywhere else when that stuff is a little more up in the air you don't feel a part of it yeah i was living in kansas city when the uh the royals were entering the world series and it was really great because kansas city is about two and a half million people and the whole town turned blue Uh, i mean like they were changing lights on buildings and they were doing all this other it felt like a really tiny town whose like team had made good but it's hmm. you know one of these major cities in the in the middle of the country, and you walk in somewhere and go go Royals, and everybody goes yeah, you know <laughs> it's like it's just this hilarious interaction where everybody's kind of bonded together, and and you can do that when like you say it's there's just there's like a, a camaraderie that just comes with yeah. the territory, so it's, it's there's culture about it. really yeah. you know, and th- and of course people feel more comfortable with people with shared experiences and Mm. stuff. You know, you tend to marry somebody who's like you, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. It's just that you bond with people who have a bunch of shared experiences. That's just kind of how culture works. Did you notice that very much when you were, like, living on the coasts, Um, like the difference between Midwest culture and coastal cultures? I did, and it's the same same thing 
thing just like you said. You know, there's nothing wrong with it. I just didn't feel it didn't never felt like home. Mm. Mm. Uh, and you know, it was kind of fine. Yeah, you know, especially living in Palo Alto, it's like known for this perfect weather. And every second you walk outside, you're like, "Oh, this is so great." But is it? <laughs> you know? Yeah, I don't know. And then you're and then you're home, and it's it's just colder than anything outside. You know, I came back last winter, which was just a disaster. I know this winter was rough for the for the East Coast people, but last winter in the Midwest was something else. Yeah, it was. Uh, uh, but it's still, it's, it felt good. You know, it's my, it was my first winter. I've lived in the Midwest in a while and I was like, yeah, I can handle this. No big deal. I mean, I was pretty, pretty done with it at the end. But <laughs> What do you do when it's so cold? Like snowboard, snowmobile? I did. I did, I did take up skiing last year. It's been, it been, it had been since high school when we <laughs> skied around here. And you can ski in the Midwest, surprisingly. <laughs> uh, one of our ski, local ski places is called Tyrol Basin, which I think is funny because it's like you're skiing down into a hole. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you, it doesn't like look like that when you're there, but it's funny to name your ski mountain a basin. Uh, I, you know, I enjoyed, I enjoyed that. You know, just picking it back up and trying to do something something healthy in the winter ish you know yeah but i you know i don't i don't know i just do what everybody does you stay inside a bunch you know right right so one thing that's interesting as we've uh, like you you've been talking about the the kind of different places you've lived and the different things you've worked on the different teams you've worked on and obviously wesley said you know on your on your site here your timeline you have all these different events that have taken place and you've worked with these different companies and launched these different companies. And, uh, so the common thread between a lot of it seems to be like you say, when you were really young, you enjoyed bridging gaps between people and you kind of like brought people together. And, uh, you obviously have a gift for looking at a, a situation or even a problem and saying, well, what are ways that we could solve this and how could we share these resources and, uh, things like that. And I, I have to believe that some of that comes from that, that kind of unspoken camaraderie that you grew up with where you're just used to, like, if you see, you know, your neighbor's trying to dig his car out of a ditch, like, of course I'm going <laughs> to go help with that, you know? And, and, uh, so do you, I mean, do you think that that has been a positive influence on the way that you look at just, the people around you as far as kind of helping share in, in their experiences or even uh, just realizing, hey, you know what, why do, why do we, you know, why does this guy get ostracized because uh, he's a part of that clique in high school or whatever else? Like, why don't we find ways to work together on this stuff? So I don't, I don't know. I mean, does that, any of that ring true? Yeah, it does. I, I haven't spent a ton of time thinking about it, so I'm not ready for my medium think piece on it all yet, you know, but, but it's... <laughs> Uh, there probably is some truth to that. I don't know it's, if it's necessarily that uh, I'm from the Midwest, thus I thus I am more community oriented. I'm sure there's there's communities kind of everywhere, but for me personally, certainly, yeah, there's some like there's some recurring themes. You know, I was a, like a club starting kind of person in college, even. You know, starting little groups and stuff here and there, mm-hmm. and that, there's some sense of you know bringing people together for that. And I, you know, I feel like. I have a I have some decent sense of of empathy and sympathy towards people as a human sure. being, and I think that's a, a that's useful for that type of thing too. And it works in writing too. You know, like how can you teach somebody something? Mm-hmm. Well, you need to have a little empathy first, so you can understand where they might be now. You can understand what it was like to not understand this thing, and then and then write for them. Yeah, right? like, this is I, all you, Wesley. <laughs> 
Yeah, well, CSS Tricks, I mean, that's where it's at. It's a teaching platform, essentially, right? Yeah, it's a little disjointed because it's just kind of uh, yeah there's there's more to it than a blog but the blog is kind of the heart of it you know that's what Mm -hmm. most people are familiar with and get found in search results and stuff but there's forums there too and screencasts and you know there's more there's some organized content like the almanac is a section of css tricks which is just documentation of of things like css selectors and css values and uh things like that. And that, you know, so there, there's a lot of stuff there, but the, but the bulk of it is writing in, in a certain style. It's writing in the, uh, you don't get this yet, but you're going to. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's not condescending. Like I've noticed that when I have gone there before, like it, it doesn't treat you like you're an idiot. Oh, I hope so. It's kind. No, it really is. And it, I mean, obviously the site's been online for what, eight years now. And I know I've been reading it for many of those and there the the tone you just described I, I don't know if i would have been able to put a finger on it but the way you said it makes perfect sense where you say you don't get this yet but you will you know it's just kind <laughs> of this leading you to a solution by way of example and explanation that is really it, it just it's a it's a very personal feeling and it kind of you know you we, we can all go to the specs of the actual css docs and everything and they're they're just not friendly to read and they're hard to kind of mine through, especially if you're newer and you're going, I don't know what any of this says in these revisions. And and then you go to a site like CSS Tricks and, and you see, so here's what we're trying to do. Here's what you know. Here's what I know. And here's what we could do if we pull that and get to this result. And uh, it's it's just so personal and it, it demystifies a lot of kind of the, the, the red tape and all the white papers and everything. And um, hmm. I mean, all of that's there. And I, I really appreciate having that in-depth resource. But even just something simple like, Hey, here's a way you could use, you know, uh, positioning on a CSS element, and it would make your life a lot better if you just did this on a regular basis. And we go, oh, whoa, you know. And, uh, and I know for a fact that because I work at a web agency, I know for a fact that that is uh, is taken into great consideration, uh, you know, as we're building frameworks and other things. So it's it's just it's a really cool resource, and I think it's maybe even more for farther reaching than uh, than you may ever know. Oh yeah, yeah, perhaps. That, that's content strategy right there, which is just so cool. I mean, have you had any f- formal training in that or like taught yourself? Uh, uh, not, so, not so much, but the, at one point in the history of CSS Tricks, there was a, uh, you know, and I keep track of the version numbers of all this thing. There was version 10 of CSS Tricks, which was going to be a big one because I had just kind of quit Survey Monkey, and I was, I was like, okay, I need to, I need to make sure that I, you know, don't go to the poorhouse here. So, <laughs> how can I make some more money? Well, CSS Tricks is, you know, like there's all this stuff. People are reading the site or whatever. You put, you attach some forums and comments to all that stuff, and you have a community. Yeah, and then mm-hmm. you, and then, and then a community and traffic and stuff. If you, you put some advertising in it, then you have a business. So CSS Tricks is is a business too, and. <clears throat> When I did V10, I was like, I did the, a, a Kickstarter for V10. And the idea of the Kickstarter was to help me turn CSS Tricks into more of a business. So mm. that was kind of my plea. And so it was it was pledge money. And the that part of it helped 
business, but that wasn't the point of it. It wasn't give me some money because that's how business works. It was uh, the, the, <laughs> the idea of V10 was help me turn this thing into a business and not, and not, you know, not because give me $20 and that's a business. It was, that was unrelated kind of, it was kind of like you help me and you'll get a, you know, you'll get a t-shirt and most importantly, you'll get access to me redesigning this whole site with business in mind. Mm. Exactly. That was the idea. And, and uh, part of that was, let's not do this, you know, offhanded in a stupid way. Let's plan. Let's do a lot of planning before this thing kicks off. Let's take a bunch of metrics. Let's talk to a bunch of smart people. Let's mm. have certain goals in mind as we do it. And I did talk to a content strategist, uh, Aaron Kissane, as part of that series. And, you know, you can still, to, to this day, that that series is part of what is called The Lodge now on CSS Tricks, which is a paid access area of a right. ton of different learning videos. And, that you know, like, for example, I sat and talked with Aaron for an hour after she had done a bunch of research in her whole content strategy, you know, showdown. And then we talked about her, her you know, the, how that all worked and what her findings were and that kind of thing. And that helped guide version 10 of CSS Tricks, which is, you know, each iteration isn't just, isn't from scratch. It's, an, you know, so her work, you know, lives on to this day is because the mm. new versions are just iterations. But yeah, I, I, I've, I have thought a little bit about content strategy, certainly not a master of it, but you know, there's enough content on CSS Tricks to, to warrant that type of thinking for sure. Yeah, definitely. So I guess another kind of tertiary question to all of this is, is the implications of going full time with some of this stuff. You know, you have uh, in your timeline, you have the April 2013, you went full time with CodePen. Uh, so, I mean, it seems like and we talked a little bit about this before the show started where, you know, you answer emails very quickly. You're very good about getting back to people. You're super, super active on the social networks and such. Uh, I'd be interested to know kind of your um uh, and I, I think I, I can guess at the answer, but I'm curious to know what your sort of uh, like the work ethic that it takes to keep up kind of these full-time positions on multiple projects and then active contribution on other projects and still manage to answer emails in like an hour. You know, I mean, so what what does uh, what have you found or, or what's been helpful for you as you've kind of just gone at this for a number of years to be incredibly uh, just you put out a lot of resources, but then also still manage to keep kind of the personal touch and get back to people and things like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's, it's actually a somewhat common question that, you know, how do you do it all kind of thing? Lots of people get that question because I, you know, people tend to kind of measure themselves against other people's productivity, which probably isn't the healthiest habit, but it's probably <laughs> a little inevitable at some point, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, I, 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 I promise I employ no special tricks other than, other than just work ethic, which is kind of a funny, don't we, we get that for free in the Midwest. Yep. Uh, the people are, it's, it's kind of a common, you know, I'm not sure how true it is, but I, I, I like to think it is true that all around the country, people like to hire Midwesterners because of our innate uh, work ethic, which I love. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it just means that you you work all day and don't and don't and don't complain about it and just you just kind of take it for granted that that's what you do and I certainly do that I do have some advantages over other you know just just based on stuff you know unmarried single dude I'm a you know I'm a privileged white male so that doesn't hurt you know there's mm -hmm. there's there's things that I can just 
that look like productivity that I do, you know, it's just the, the, <laughs> the fact that I can write a blog post and publish it and a whole bunch of people read it. It kind of looks like more or something than, than, than somebody else working all day that probably was a lot more productive for me, but their thing didn't get to go as public as the sure. blog post I just wrote did, you know. So just by nature of that, pretty much everything I do is public looks a lot more productive, even though it's probably about the same as amount of productive <laughs> as anybody else. Uh, yeah, you know, well, there's, there's yeah. no, there's no secret. Well, it's, and that's, it's kind of fun because, and I was kind of hoping that that was the answer because, uh, anytime you find somebody who's really prolific, whether it be in writing or podcasting or, or video production or anything, usually the answer is, well, I do it every day. And then after a long time, I have this stack of things that I've done and it's, there's really no mystery to that's it. It's just the, that's very, steady very work. True. And so, it, but you're right. That does, I, it, as much as I don't like want to hold this over anybody's head who doesn't live in the Midwest or didn't grow up here. There really is. There's a work ethic to, you know, and a lot of it comes from those of us who grew up on farms and, uh, or had to wrestle with the elements on a regular basis. Uh, and you know, you, you get used to, well, today we throw hay. So we're up before the sun and when the sun goes down is when it's time to stop. And then we turn the lights on and we, <laughs> we you know, we keep going. And so, uh, you just, you kind of get used to that that kind of hardy mentality and, and the momentum. Uh, and it's just cool to see it expressed in the digital form, like you've done so well of, of uh, just being so prolific in all the different things that you do, but you know, it really being just such a simple, you just got to keep moving uh, mentality in that. And that, you know, that's, that's, I don't want to underplay that though, because that takes a lot of dedication and a lot of discipline too. Yeah, that's a good point. It's not that, you know, you, you there's no cheating either, you know, it is still a bunch of work, <laughs> but yeah, it's just, you know, I, I have this, there's this really, this is a good documentary. This is a good plug. It's called home movie and it's some guy was making uh, commercials for something like home Depot or something it was, or, or Lowe's or something. And the idea for the commercials was to find people that live in super weird places and then go talk to them. And then, you know, at the end, just at the end of the commercial, just be like, you know, you know, Home Depot has stuff even for this weird person, ah. you know, and it's, but I, I, I never actually saw the ads, but <laughs> I got so many good, so much good footage from trying to get those ads this is how I understand it, that he turned it into a whole documentary and it's about mm. five, and it documents five people that live in extremely weird places. Like there's people that decked out their whole cat just for their like, or their whole house just for their like hundred cats. There's people that, some hippies that bought a nuclear missile silo and live like underground in it. There's an old like woman who's a a star, uh, Japanese sitcom star who lives in a tree house in, (laughs) in the most remote island of Hawaii. Uh, There's a couple more, but my favorite was this, was this, like hillbilly southern not i guess it's not a hillbilly lives on a swamp whatever you call that the version of a hillbilly that lives on a houseboat on swamps in louisiana oh that's beautiful and and he was kind of like a philosopher in his in his in his ways he just wasn't trying to be just like everything he said like kind of had a philosophical tint to it but they they sold the way that their little family made money was little baby alligator heads that oh they would sell like, you know, at, at, you know, just like in New Orleans little shops or, or, or whatever. It just people want to buy shellacked baby alligator heads to put on their keychain or whatever. <laughs> That's just but he, did, he didn't work very hard. He was kind of a the, the schluff rapper, but his dad had, you know, he, 
all these alligator heads that we dip in the different solutions to make the you know the perfect oh, shellacked wow. alligator head, and he and he was sitting there once. And he'd be like, "You'd be amazed how much you can get done in a day if you just sit and do it." It wasn't like this genius thing, but it was kind of smart. It's like I'm sure he could get a lot of alligator heads done in a day if you just sit there and do alligator heads all day. You get a, probably a ton of alligator heads done in a day, and it kind of resonated with me. It's like you can answer a lot of email in a day if you just sit yeah. there and do it. You know. I think I'm gonna start using that as a metric, though. This is about forty alligator heads oh, yeah. worth of time. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but that's the point. Is that you know, don't just answer two and then go make a coffee or whatever. It's like you can mm. get a lot done if you just sit there and do it. Design anything else. Yeah. Good call. Yeah. Uh, you know, the question is actually a question that Seagate had, but I'll ask it. I'll steal it here. Um, being in the Midwest, what are some resources? Um, that you have encountered, um, like conferences that are just really good and kind of exemplify kind of the culture of the Midwest and have helped you personally and in your career. Okay. What are we listing? The just conferences, resources, um, meetups, stuff like that. Yeah. I'm not, you know, I, I, for a while I went to a whole bunch of bar camps have you guys ever been to a bar camp there actually there was a really big one in omaha wasn't there that people yeah i think there is one there yeah it's big omaha or something yeah yeah maybe it is that maybe because sometimes sometimes the idea of a bar camp is that it's it's a small homegrown kind of conference um you know you don't pay for it it's free everybody goes for free and uh there's a big grid and in the, the it represents the different rooms available and the different times so at any given time you can look across and be like there's five different sessions going on but they fill up the grid on the morning of the conference you write your name at a chunk of the grid uh that says i'm going to talk about this in this room and it's like anything goes so it's kind of techie but some people do photography you know like i've seen one and it's it's fun every time you go to one because it's a it's a mystery what you're going to get you know i i went and saw one where an old man was yelling about uh, uh like a one of those wind generators in his backyard that he could see he just chose to that was his talk was to be mad about that for <laughs> But you'll see, you know, so they're fun, and you know, like whoever runs them will put, you know, a bunch of cokes in a in a styrofoam cooler in the corner, and that's like the, you know, that's like sure. the refreshments for the day. But they all have their own kind of flair and and fun to them. Sometimes they get really really popular because they're free. Uh, they grow up to be bigger than a bar camp, and then yeah, I think that might be what Big Omaha grew up to be. I'm not, don't quote mm-hmm. me on that. Or, so, you know, there's the one in Minneapolis that got so big with thousands of people go to. It's not really a bar bar camp anymore. Mm-hmm. But the, I think those are really fun. I went to a bunch of traveled to different cities to go to them because they 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 uh, I don't know they have a good vibe to them. I think that kind of. Yeah, we we've really been drawn over the past couple of years to uh, Circles Conference in uh, down in Dallas. And it's kind of because of the similar mentality with a different structure where it's just very personal. You get to meet a lot of people. It's very heavy on the interaction. You get a really long lunch break, stuff like that. And it's just been, it's been a very kind of, I don't want, I don't mean this in a campy way, but kind of a hometown conference where you go and you, you see people that you, you recognize from other places, but then it's not like, uh, you know, like a South by or something where you're going, Oh, look at the celebrities and, you know, and, <laughs> and thousands and thousands of people, they keep it pretty small. And, yeah. and it's just, 
stuff like that has been, we're, we're just like, we're always on the lookout for more of those because we know that they exist, but usually by nature, they are also kind of hard to see because it's a small thing. It's a small, like small town conference or something. And you'd never hear about it unless you're there. And then you go and you, whoa, this gold mine of things that we could do. And, uh, so we're always asking people who are from the area, especially someone who's who's been around like yourself, you know, different things you've seen and uh, ways that people can kind of plug in and, and feel like they're connected to the people around them. Yeah. So conferences like that, certainly uh, Converge SE is a really good one that's starting to, it's grown up over a bunch of years. And so it where it's in Columbia, South Carolina and has a very good feel to it. Um I think of it as a little bit like a new South by Southwest, not in maybe not in scope, but there's different buildings that you go to and it's in a really cool like part of the town where there's like music and stuff going on and little cafes and restaurants and stuff. So there's a lot of people walking around and doing stuff it has a cool vibe to the conference. Mm. I've never been to Arlton Lowry's one, but the, but I hear uh, Made by Few is a pretty good one like that. Oh, um, I've heard of that one, yeah. I'm pretty fond of the front end design conference in St. Petersburg. That's mm-hmm. the one going on that that has a has a fun kind of local vibe to it. Yeah. Uh, Blend Comp is a, another good one like that. Very yeah. cool. Nice. Well, you know, it's kind of my job to be the big bad guy, um, <laughs> but we like to keep these rather short and digestible. Um, so I think we'll wrap up now, but thank you so much, Chris, for your time. This has been really fun. Yeah, it was, it was fun. Good to talk to some fellow Midwest boys. Yeah, we really appreciate it. And you can get to know Chris, uh, by looking at, uh, hitting him up on Twitter at Chris Coyer, C-O-Y-I-E-R, or visiting some of the many projects that he does. He has cssstricks.com, codepen.io, shoptalkshow.com, chrisquare.net i mean i could probably go on and on but uh that's we really about appreciate. it <laughs> yeah so those are the ones you really need to visit and if you haven't uh there's so much there's a wealth of information there so make sure to check them out uh, and you can learn more about this show by visiting spirit of midwest.net thanks for tuning in please join us next time as we celebrate the spirit of the midwest Thank you.